everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Gin and Beer. I am your host, Meg, and today I am so delighted to be joined by one of my best friends, Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Megan. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining tonight. So Catherine is one of my oldest friends in London. As you can all hear, she is a fellow American, and we have worked for the same company since we both both moved to London four years ago and have just bonded over our Americanness ever since. Uh, and Catherine is also moving back to America imminently, so I'm going to be like the lone American <laughs> left here, and I'm feeling a bit anxious about it, but super excited that before you go, you've come on Gin and Beer It. So thank you very much. Happy to be here. <laughs> so, Catherine, what drink have you chosen to discuss today? Tonight, we are discussing the espresso martini. Fuck yes. <laughs> One of my favorites and a very good choice. So Highly why... contested as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So why have you chosen the espresso martini? Um, I think I started really getting into espresso martinis, to be honest, after moving to London. I don't think I'd ever had them in the U.S., but to be fair, I didn't drink anything good in the U.S. Um, I started to, most of us. Yeah. I started to get into like classier drinks once I moved here. Um, but for me, the espresso martini, I mean, um, I love caffeine and I love coffee and I also, um, kind of like sweet drinks. It's a dessert drink, obviously. So I feel like I always have it on super lavish, indulgent nights. And every time that I have a memory of having an espresso martini, it's always been a very extravagant evening. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good memories with that. And one thing, I don't know if this is actually true, but um, I find that they tend to serve these at jazz bars a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love jazz music and I go to a lot of jazz bars around London. And whenever I go to one, I'm like, I'm going to order an espresso martini tonight. That's like my jazz bar drink. Um, so yeah, just lots of positive memories with it. And I kind of like that it gives you a little bit of a kick. Yeah. I think, I think that they go super well with the jazz vibe. I can totally see that. Like they've just got that like warm, but like classy kind of feel to them. And it kind of reminds me of like the beat energy. Like I can see like a beat writer in a jazz bar drinking an espresso martini. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I totally agree. And I have to agree. An espresso martini is once again, one of the drinks where I don't remember the first time that I had one. Um, I wish I did. I'd love to, I'd love to know if I could, when that was, but I definitely think that I got more into them since moving to the UK for sure. Um, if, if I even had one before I moved to the UK, which I'm not sure that I did, but yeah, I definitely got massively into them once I moved here. I think they're more popular here. Definitely. I haven't really seen them in the U S that much. No, I I know for a fact they're more popular here because, um, when my friend Andrea visited me, uh, when we talk later about like memorable espresso martinis we've had, I'll get more into that. But she visited me like three years ago, two mm-hmm. years ago, um, and she had never had one. I introduced her to them. So same thing happened when some of my friends visited yeah. from San Fran. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. San Francisco is like a very hip drinking culture. So if they hadn't had one, then you know that it just probably isn't that big over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so speaking of, of that in terms of the, well, first of all, the recipe for an espresso martini, if anyone is wondering is two ounces of vodka, a half an ounce of coffee liqueur, which is usually Kahlua or Tia Maria or Mr. Black's, which is fantastic. Um, an ounce of freshly brewed espresso, 
and then half an ounce of simple syrup. And then you throw it all into a tin, shake it up with some ice, strain into, it's usually in a martini glass, hence why it's called an espresso martini. And then they're usually garnished with coffee beans, which is actually like my favorite part. Um, but yeah, so that's the espresso martini. But getting into the history, which Catherine and I both had a little bit of a read about. Um, so I think one of the reasons why we had not, we, we think that it's not as popular in the U.S. is because it actually originated in London. Um, so it was invented by a guy called Dick Bradsell. And I actually appreciate this because so many of the drinks that I've covered on this podcast, no one, there's so much debate over who invented it, but this is one of the few drinks I've seen where everyone agrees like it was this one guy. That's pretty interesting. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he invented it in 1983 when he was working at a bar called the Soho Brasserie. Um, and he originally called it the Vodka Espresso, which makes sense. Um and so, Catherine, you're going to love this. The legend has it that a young future supermodel sidled up to the bar all gorgeously and asked Dick to make her a drink that would wake her up and fuck her up. Can that be, like, on a t-shirt? I know. <laughs> I know. And so he just, in that moment, came up with what is now known as the espresso martini. Everyone pretty much agrees that that model was Kate Moss. Um, oh, so yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it says that he mixed her a drink using vodka, sugar, coffee, liqueur, and a shot of espresso. Um, and then, um, the rest go- basically goes down in, in history. He, they called it the espresso martini because at that time in the eighties, anything that was served in a martini glass was considered a martini, mm-hmm. which a lot of people would scoff at nowadays. Um, but yeah, that's basically how it came to be. Dick Bradsell has also created such famous drinks as the Bramble, um, Russian Spring Punch, and Treacle. So he's quite the, um, you know, mixologist in history, I guess you could say. Um, and he also had a tenure at a bar in Notting Hill called The Pharmacy, where he renamed the espresso martini the Pharmaceutical Stimulant. Um and then he went to a bar back in East London called Match Bar, where he renamed it the Vodka Espresso. Um, but every it just it, I think it caught on as the Espresso Martini, and that's what everyone's called it since. This guy sounds like he was a character. Yeah, <laughs> I just I I honestly like now every single time I have an Espresso Martini, I just picture Kate Moss, who I happen to be a little bit obsessed with, just like sauntering into a bar and being like, "Make me something that'll wake me up and fuck me up." That's an amazing quote. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that it should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the history of the espresso martini. And now it is just, um, absolutely famous. So what are some of the best espresso martinis or favorite memories that you have of having an espresso martini? Um, yeah, I think so two are coming to mind. One is coming to mind because it was super recent. Um, the last time I had an espresso martini before tonight, um, was like two or three weeks ago. And, um, as you mentioned, I'm moving. So I was out on like a, one of my last nights out in Mayfair with some friends. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like having a bunch of red wine and great food. And then we all had espresso martinis for the dessert. And then the night even continued to escalate from there. But I feel like that's tends to be the case when I have espresso martinis. It's like the after dinner drink, but it never ends after an espresso martini. And in my mind, that's a positive thing. That means you're going to make a good night with good memories. Um, So um, that's just kind of like, I guess, a generic one from recently. But um, another one that I have is, so um, when my mother came to visit London, we went to 
Ronnie's Jazz Bar, mm. and we were drinking espresso martinis there. It was the first time my mom had ever had one, because my mom doesn't really drink that much, and she, it's kind of funny. She doesn't really know anything about alcohol. Yeah. Like, she just, like, will always order a Pinot Grigio, and that's it. So I introduced her to the espresso martini, and she was like, this is, like, amazing. And I think we ended up having, like, two or three, which is a lot for espresso martinis. Um, and it was just kind of, like, fun to have that bonding moment with my mom at the jazz bar. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah. yeah, I do. No, I feel like I I agree with you that, like, I've never really thought about it, but it's like a late in the night drink, but it's never the last one. Like, yeah. I don't think that <laughs> I can, you know, I, th- I can think of like one or two times where maybe an espresso martini was the last thing that I drank. But also like, why would you have a coffee-based drink if you just want the night to end after? If you really no. think about it, like it is, it is a drink that's meant to kind of like rejuvenate you and keep you going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think one of my favorite, um, so the company that Catherine and I work to work for back when such things were possible, um, a load of people <laughs> would organize a 12 pubs crawl in Edinburgh, which I went to the first year that I joined, um, which as like a, you know, American who had just moved to the UK, it was like unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. <laughs> um, and on the 12 pubs crawl, one of the pubs, I can't even remember if it was really that pubby if, or if it was more of a bar, but, and I also can't remember the name. But it was known to every all the people that lived in Edinburgh as like the one that has the best espresso martinis. And so it was like you had to get an espresso martini when you stopped there on the 12 pubs crawl. And I do remember it being absolutely amazing. And it was also like probably like eight on the 12 pubs list around there, like in the six to eight range. So it was like the perfect time to stop drinking beer and have something um have something that has caffeine in it. That's like so interesting that the pub specialized in an espresso martini. I know. I know. Never heard of something like that. And I still to this day, obviously, because I wasn't like super cognizant at the time, I don't know if the pub actually specialized in espresso martinis or if our coworkers like had just happened to have one there and then it was suddenly this thing that like that's what you have to get there. Like I'm not really sure. Um what really the story was there, but it was, it, I mean, it stuck with me memory wise. So obviously it was special, but yeah, it is like, and for any Americans listening who are like, what the fuck is 12 pubs? Um, it's basically exactly what it sounds like. It is a Christmas tradition, like a Christmas time tradition. It's usually in like, you know, December where you go to 12 different pubs over the course of a day and it's amazing. Have you talked about on this podcast the uh 12 spoons? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't. No, that's something that I should I really yeah. should talk about. So yeah, what Catherine's alluding to is 2 years ago, god. Um 2 years ago I organized a 12 pubs crawl, but it was not any pub any old pubs. It was specifically 12 different weather spoons throughout central London and honestly like one, some of the most fun I've ever had. That was amazing. It, it was, was such so a good fun. night. And we ended in Camden at um, the World's End as yes. well. Yeah, yeah we that did. That was great. At like a punk rock nightclub. <laughs> um, yeah, it was amazing. And we didn't do it last year because I think last year was just one of those years where everyone just got way too busy at Christmas time and it just didn't make sense. And I had every intention of doing it this year. And it's just not going to happen. You should do something sucks. else if you can. Yeah. Like 12 cocktails. I know. Throughout 12 hours. Or yeah. Something, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I really should. Uh, I feel like the majority of lockdown has been 12 cocktails <laughs> on any Fair given enough. day. Um, but yeah. So anyway, um, I think that every person should experience some sort of 12 pubs at some point because it is, it is super fun. 
But yeah, I, I definitely recommend taking an espresso martini break in the middle of it if you can. So at what other, have you had any other memorable espresso martinis? Um, I guess like recently I had them at like the, I was really excited to start drinking them again once we were able to start going to bars after yeah. lockdown because throughout lockdown, I drank a lot like most of us did, but I don't have like an extensive liquor cabinet. Yeah. So I was just drinking wine. wine. Yeah. So um, as soon as I started to go out again, one of the drinks that I wanted to order was an espresso martini and I went to a few different um, kind of cool bars where I had them. Like um, two of my favorites that I really like around where I live in East London are the um, London Cocktail Trading Company mm. and then also the Night Jar. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, Those are I both just really good. They're amazing. Yeah. So you just kind of want to have them at like nice bars. And I always feel like it's a celebration when yeah. I get one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do it on just like a typical night out. It's no. always some sort of, yeah, special occasion. No, I completely agree. And sim- similar to those bars, one of the ones I noted as my um, memorable was I had one with um, my friend Shida at the Ned, which is oh yeah, um, it's a bar in a hotel. Uh, well, the Ned itself is a hotel um, in the city of London, which is gorgeous. I, th- I think it's a five star hotel. It's really really nice. It has and the, to be. Yeah, it's the bar, immaculate. the bar is incredible. Um, and this was actually one of the last nights out that I got before we went into lockdown. Mm. Um, and it was like, it was at the point where, um, my friend and I, who I went out with, like, we knew that like the end was nigh basically. (laughs) And it was one of the strangest nights of my life because we met up in like Covent Garden in central London went for uh went for a couple drinks near there and then also went for dinner in central london and then we were going to go find somewhere to go for drinks after dinner and um there was a massive fire in like a souvenir shop on oxford street and because of like the way that the fire trucks had to come in it basically shut down the whole of oxford street so there oh, was like wow. any of the places that we would have wanted to get to we couldn't get anywhere near so obviously We'd had a cup, I think we'd had like two gins and then we went for dinner. I think we had another gin or something. Um, so we, but we also had like pasta for dinner. So it was like, I I wasn't like really drunk. I was kind of just like getting there in my evening, but had like a ways to go. And like the act of having to walk like a mile just to get around where all of these like fire trucks were and just to get out of that area completely sobered me up. And then my friend like in her head, she was like, well, let's just get on the central line and go to bank and go to the Ned. And I was like, that's a crazy idea. Yeah. I was like, why <laughs> would we go like all the way back towards work? But to be fair, she lives up in like Essex way. So like, oh, it's okay. easiest for her to get home from Liverpool street. So I was like, okay, I get like, I get it. So yeah, we went to the Ned and then we ended up getting espresso martinis, but it was like, it was fun, but it was just, it was like the weirdest night ever. Like I was like, I can't believe like we basically had our night cock blocked by like a fire. Um, <laughs> It was just, yeah, it was, um, it was weird, but the espresso martinis at the Ned, I can say are delicious. I can imagine. Yeah. 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 It's just crazy to think that like 
now everything that we like drink and experience is in the context of like, oh, this was right before we went into lockdown or right after they started lifting restrictions or right before we went into the second P. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everything right now. Has to be, yeah. I hope it changes in the future. I hope we're just like, oh, that we kind of forget about this year. Yeah. We're like everything was always smooth. <laughs> I really, really, yeah. I yeah. hope that this is just a blip on the radar of everyone's existence because I really can't. <laughs> I really can't cope otherwise. <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked about espresso martinis, so why don't we do a little questionnaire, get to know you? We probably should have done this at the beginning, but it's fine. Um, I'm going to ask you some random questions about, about you and drinking. So I didn't prep you on any of these, so don't, uh, don't worry if you have A bit hesitate. nervous. <laughs> um, what was your first alcoholic drink that you can remember? You're going to make fun of me for this. I doubt it. <laughs> So the first alcoholic drink that I tried, I didn't have a full like drink mm-hmm. of it, was sangria. Okay. But then like a week later, I had my first alcoholic drink, and this is so bad. It was jungle juice. Oh my god. I knew. Yeah, I was like, you're gonna make. Yeah, I deserve to be made no, fun I'm of for not, this one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making fun of you. I'm yeah. more just like, did you survive? I can't imagine going from a sip of sangria to jungle juice. Yeah, it was it was a pretty um, you know intense introduction to the drinking scene because so, like I grew up in a college town, yeah. So it was like very normal that um, when you were like sixteen years old, you'd go to college parties. So yeah, I went to a college party and had a um, a jungle juice. So for anyone who <laughs> doesn't, because I don't I don't actually know, and Harry's not in the room to to fact check for us, but I don't know if jungle juice is like I mean I'm sure the concept exists in English Mm, unis, but I don't know if it's called that. But so for anyone, if they're like, what the fuck is jungle juice? It's basically, um, I mean, at least from my experience (laughs) in college, it was a Tupperware container filled with everything. Um, yeah. Or a keg. Yeah. Or a keg. Yeah. Yeah. Just some sort of vessel that was filled (laughs) with usually like vodka, Gatorade, rum, like so many things that it ends up not really tasting like anything. And like a Kool-Aid. Yeah. Like it was like a pink punch. Yeah. It was usually pink. Um, and yeah, it's horrible. It makes you do awful things. It's probably responsible for the majority of the Me Too movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's jungle juice. Also, like a public announcement, <laughs> this is what happens when you're not introduced to drinking by your parents, yes. right? Yeah. So I'd like never been introduced to alcohol before. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happens. No, I mean, I, yeah, I think my, my parents did a decent... They My parents certainly weren't the parents that were like you know, oh, in high school, like, oh, we're happy for you guys to drink as long as it's in the house. Like, they didn't go that far. And I don't really think that parents need to. I think you're kind of, like, opening yourself up to having your house trashed if you are cool with your kids, like, drinking there in high school. Mm, Yeah. Um, But they did, like, we went to Paris after I graduated high school, and they let me have a few beers on, like, the steps of the Sacre Coeur. And, um, yeah, there were, like, odd times, like, and it just gradually increased, like, how frequently they would let me just, like, enjoy a drink with them. It was never anything crazy, but, yeah. Um, luckily, I had a few experiences with alcohol before I tried jungle juice. Yeah, it was very, um, yeah, very intense. <laughs> it is, like, it's mortifying to sit back and think about it, like, think yeah. about going, like, my freshman year, going to, like, I would go to the house of men that I didn't know. <laughs> 
And my male friends would only get let in because me and my female friends were with them. Like, there was that whole thing of, like, mm-hmm. they never wanted to fuck with the ratio. It's just so crazy when you yeah. think about it. Yeah. And then you'd, like, fight your way to the kitchen, hope to get, like, a fresh red Solo cup, but it was probably used. And then just fill it with this liquid that you had no idea what it was or where it was coming from. Can you imagine doing something like that now? Oh, like, my it's God. Just I'd rather kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's really disgusting, but it's a memorable first drink. That's it, for it's sure. memorable, yeah. yeah. It, it makes a decent story. I'm sure the night's probably not very memorable, but the drink might um, have been. It is, actually. Oh. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> um, excellent. I can't wait. So what is your favorite drink if you can pick just one? I would say that I'm a wine person. Um, so like as I was kind of alluding to before, I didn't drink um, very like um, I didn't drink in like a very advanced or like exquisite way, I mm-hmm. guess, like prior to moving to London or actually I would say prior to moving to France. I lived mm-hmm. in France for a year before moving to London. Um, and then once I moved to France, I got really into the wine there because first of all, it's like incredibly cheap to get very good wine. And also like France, it's like the country of wine and yeah. you know, like, um, you're like meeting all these people. I was studying in grad school there and like we would have lots of nights out and wine tastings and things like that. Um, so I would say that's where I really kind of developed my taste for sophisticated and more refined alcohol versus things like jungle juice and like, yeah. you know, whatever shit Smearing I could get my ice. hands on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, or just like, honestly, very cheap wine that I would drink in college. Um, so I would say wine is probably my drink. Um, and I used to, since I kind of established my taste for wine in France, it used to be specifically French wines, but I've expanded into Spain a lot more as well because I was working there quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I like Italian wines. I usually drink European wines. Um, but I would say like my, some of my like favorite regions are, um, Ribera del Duero in Spain. Mm -hmm. Um, I like a nice Sancerre Alsace from France. Mm -hmm. Those are white. Um, did wine tasting in Bordeaux. That was really great. God, that sounds amazing. And a Primitivo I think is just kind of like a, that's like if I'm going to a dinner party, I'll always bring the primitivo. Yeah, like most people are gonna like it. Yeah, yeah. No, you'll you'll have to come back on the podcast and do like a wine deep dive. Yeah, I, like I love. I mean, I took a wine course in college, which every time I tell people that, they're like, "Why did your parents like help you with that?" <laughs> um, but the answer is because I had like fulfilled every other requirement for my course and just needed something to fill the time and why not wine um and loved it and I also like Harry and I when we went to Santorini this summer that turned into a full-fledged wine holiday without us really planning for it to be that way but it was amazing um so I like I feel like I know Greek wine well that's not true I know Santorini wine like the back of my hand probably not like mainland Greek wine very well but Santorini wine I feel like I could write a dissertation on because we did so many like wine tours and tastings and stuff apart from like I know like I was saying to you before we start recording I know what I like but I just don't feel like I'm that knowledgeable and I still feel like I struggle like I struggle with the most basic things like I love Chardonnay but like I did like I, I get even confused as to like what Chardonnay is when I'm out at the shop unless it literally says Chardonnay on the bottle mm. because you know how like the French bottles will be like Chablis and stuff like that like and it's <laughs> yeah, based yeah. on like the regions and stuff like I don't like I just I get very 
very easily confused by like reading wine label labels or understanding where things are from. But with that being said, I love wine. Yeah, like, it's absolutely great. Love I it. actually tried some Greek wine recently. Did you? Um, there's a really good wine bar. You should check it out. Noble Rot. Oh in- yeah. I, I actually just read a list online that that was on as like top 15 wine bars in London. Oh, it's so good. They had a really nice, um, Greek wine there. And, um, also actually I've like dipped a bit into Israeli wines, which mm, were quite good as well. That sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we have a shop called Heidi and Balaam that's, it's like Vagabond in the sense that, you know, you get a car, you load a card up with money and then you can get glasses of, you know, they've got like a hundred taps of wine and that's like a really oh, wow. good really good way to try different sorts of wine for like a very reasonable price in in one setting. Um, so I do love it. And I do, I mean, I've obviously been on a cocktail kick for God knows how long, but I do like, I'd like to actually like study wine properly. Yeah, you should. Just, you would yeah. like it, I'm sure. <laughs> well, and the, the thing that I like about wine is like the food pairing aspect of it, which is also mm. something like I, apart from the fact that I crave red wine with red meat, which I think is you know, about as basic as it gets. I don't even know where to begin with pairing wine with food. So it's like, that's something that I'd like to learn a lot more about so that when I cook, I can be like, okay, this wine actually will go good with this food. It's interesting that you say that because like, that's to be honest, kind of how I got into it Mm -hmm. was that I always tried to pair it with a food. Yeah, And like, there was a while I had to like wean myself off of this where like I couldn't eat dinner without having a glass yeah. of wine yeah and then I had to be like oh no like it's it's normal to like like food without wine as well um but it does just like really accentuate it, the flavor it enhances the experience and yeah like yeah. I, th- I mean you know I feel like that's and obviously you lived in France for a year but I feel like that's quite a French thing where it's like you don't look at wine as alcohol or as a way of getting fucked up it is literally like an accompaniment to the flavors that you're having in your meal yeah Um, and like we would even like have a glass of wine at lunch like it it was very normal and like what you would like kind of do would be like have a sip of wine a bite of food like yeah you you know it's just like it all flows together seamlessly it's great (laughs) I love that so much yeah all right so next question what drink did you used to love and now you can no longer touch it for any reason whatsoever? Mm. Um, it's, I, I, w- I don't know if you'd necessarily call it a drink, but mm. I used to be great at taking tequila shots mm. and now I can't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't lost my ability. Well, first of all, I've always been a shit shot taker. Like I never... Even when, yeah. like, in uni, I hated it. I was like, you guys, I I actually like the taste of things. I don't want to just shoot something down the back of my throat that's going to make me feel sick. Like, I don't. Like, why yeah. are we starting an evening by making ourselves feel sick? What What is the logic in that? Agreed. But okay. if you had to, the two shots that I could do, like, if someone was being really pushy towards shots, for me, it's either Fireball or Tequila. Those are the two that I could get away mm. with. Interesting. Um, and I can't, I mean, I haven't had fireball in god knows how long um but tequila i can still do it but it's not pleasant i can't do it anymore i had yeah. one bad night and like once you have one bad night with oh that, yeah it's like yeah never it'll again ruin, it'll ruin you forever it, if i'm at a bar now and people order tequila shots i i literally dump it on the floor yeah because like i know i'm just gonna get Sick. you know feel bad yeah. otherwise yeah yeah that's when you know that you're becoming a real adult, though, is when you start, like, <laughs> making decisions. Like I, like, I remember, like, friends came over at Christmas time last year and brought some wine, like, you know, with all the best intentions, but this red wine that they got 
was like the sweetest red wine. Like it, oh. like the thing is that I love port, but it wasn't like dessert wine. It was just like a bottle of red that was ridiculously sweet. It was you know like a red version of Moscato or something. And um, we poured a glass, and I took a sip, and it's like Megan. Like two years ago, I would have. I not only would I have suffered through that glass, but I would have like drank it with them until the bottle was gone. But you know, Megan, like at the time I was 25, now I'm 26. Like I was like, I'm so sorry. And just like dumped the rest down the sink and poured a glass of something that I liked better because it's like, it just, I'm not will like, I'm not willing to like knowingly suffer anymore. Obviously I still suffer plenty, but I'm not going to like not enjoy something and then suffer for it later as well. Cause then it's just like, what is the point? Especially something that's so sweet like yeah. that. Like, you know, you're going to oh, feel you, the it. headache yeah. and oh God. Yeah. No, it's just the reality of growing up. <laughs> um, what is your most unpopular drink opinion? So it can either be something that you love that everyone else thinks is disgusting or something that you hate that everyone else loves. Anything the espresso like martini it might be might yeah. be one of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, because a lot of people think it's they don't like the combination of coffee and I think alcohol. it's divisive. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and also, it is quite sweet. I would only ever have it as like an after dinner yeah. type of drink. Like, I'm never gonna have that as my first yeah. drink. And yeah, it's hard to drink multiple of these. But um, I would say that's a divisive one. Another one that I think is quite divisive it's another very sweet one is the amaretto sour mm. it's a bit basic i love it but it's so good <laughs> it's so good no yeah. i i mean i made it for the um like the thirsty my like tutorials on instagram but i've mastered the disarano sour and honestly like oh so good like oh. so can like, you make so me one good. after this yes <laughs> yes i absolutely can i totally can they're so good yeah like i don't know why this is but it like every year on New Year's Eve, I tend to drink that like yeah. all night long. I love I when think, you get like a random tradition and then yeah, it just sticks. Yeah. It's so random. I think because like one New Year's Eve, I was talking to my friend and I was like, I don't know what to order. And she was like, get an amaretto sour. And it, again, it's quite like a luxurious drink. And so I kind of connotate it with New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to order that on like a typical night out or yeah. anything. So. No, it's good. And like the recipe that I have is from this guy called Jeffrey Morgenthaler, who is like, I mean, one of the best, you know, mixologists and drink enthusiasts in the world ever. Um, and he's mastered it because he, I could, I'll make you one later, but I'm so excited. Um, it, he puts just the tiniest bit, like it's like a quarter ounce, I think, ish of bourbon in it. Um, and it just like, it makes it just a little bit more alcoholic because, you know, Disserano or Amaretto liqueur is usually like relatively low proof. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also cuts the sweetness a bit and it just, it's perfect. That like I honestly, really like nice. it's still a very sweet drink, but I probably could drink more than one, which, whereas like most sweet drinks, I'm like one and absolutely done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean... I, it's funny what you said about the espresso martini, like people having issues with the fact that it's mixing coffee and alcohol, because when it comes to an espresso martini, and I I think it's, I think it comes down to where the caffeine is coming from, because in an espresso martini, Mm -hmm. I have no issue whatsoever with coffee in the drink, like none. I'm absolutely fine with it. Um, I mean, I'm a person who, if I go out for a nice meal or even just a big meal, I'll get like a cappuccino at the end of the meal. Cause I think it helps just like 
you know, cleanse the palate. I do the same thing. Yeah. So I, I don't really have an issue with caffeine at kind of antisocial hours of drinking caffeine. What I can't do is, is like, like anything that's like an energy drink and alcohol. So Jaeger bombs and four locos and stuff like that. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross. I think yeah. we've all been through that stage where you think it's kind of like fun, but it's gross. I see. I never went through that. I think it, I, this is such a weird thing about me that I'm even a bit embarrassed to admit, but like when I was in college, like ever since I've been of drinking age, I honestly viewed like I would rather, and I'm not saying that I'm a smoker if my parents are listening to this. But I would literally rather smoke a pack of cigarettes than have like one Red Bull. Like for some really? for some reason in my head, energy drinks are just like the most sinful thing that like I could possibly touch. And so when I was in college, like I didn't even try it. Like it wasn't even like something that I I, you know, played with, like toyed with. I completely avoided it. And I remember there was one night where I like told my best friend we were at this dodgy like club and like on fake IDs, we were definitely not old enough to be out. I told her to go get me another drink thinking she'd get me like a Jack and Diet Coke or whatever I was drinking at the time. And she handed me this thing and kind of smirked at me because she definitely was an energy drink and alcohol person. She loved it because it kept her awake. And apparently um, some guy had made like vodka Red Bulls. Like when I say some guy, the bartender had made vodka <laughs> Red Bulls and, um, and set them on the counter and then kind of like turned around and she was just like, are these just going to sit here? And so she just nab- nagged them. And obviously uh. we were broke college students. So not having to like those drinks would have been like $15. So it was like a win not having to pay for them, but she handed it to me and I drank it and I was like, I want to kill myself because I could instantly taste the Red Bull um, that's so interesting. I, I honestly used to love them. Yeah. I wouldn't drink it today, but like when I was like younger, I like, there were nights when I would have four of those, no. which is insane to think about. I like, I can, I honestly, I hate the taste of Red Bull. Like I hate it in theory. And I did a good job of avoiding it after that until, and I think Nina and I, Nina, who is on the podcast, who you and I are both friends with, I think we spoke about it on her episode, um, about the cosmopolitan, but when we went skiing in Austria, oh yeah, you did. Jaeger bombs are actually the cheapest thing to drink. Like it's such a bizarre cultural thing. Is, that, is that like, like a skiing thing? It's or? a skiing. It's a skiing thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and okay. I think it's specifically like Austria, Germany, like places where Jaeger is more prevalent. But literally, a pint was like nine or ten euros. A pint of that. A gin and tonic, excessive. a gin and tonic was thirty euros. We we got three gin and tonics. It was ninety euros. Yeah, um, a Jaeger bomb was like twelve euros. That's so weird. It was it was literally, or even less than that. It might have been like because I I actually think the Jaeger bombs were cheaper than the beer if I remember correctly. Um, it was the cheapest thing. So obviously you get to a point where you're like. Yes, I wanted a gin, but did I want to literally bankrupt myself drinking, <laughs> bo- you know, bottom shelf gin in the mountains? Um, Where is so, Jaeger from? Is it from there? I think, yeah, I think it's, I, I think no it's idea. German or something. Yeah, Jaegermeister sounds German sounds to like me. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we started drinking Jaeger bombs, and honestly, like I've never felt like just the heart racing and the headache and oh god. Guess like I ski junkies like that. They want their heart to be racing oh my as God, they're they do. going down that yeah. mountain. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not for me. So 
yeah, no, but anyway, I think, I think, I just think it's funny that that would ever deter people from espresso martinis because, um, I like the caffeine in an espresso martini does not bother me whatsoever. It's interesting though. Like I can't think of another cocktail that has coffee in it. I guess like this is kind of like the only mainstream one at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you'll get like the, you'll get like, I've had like coffee Negronis and stuff like you'll get, mm. you'll get, you know, other drinks that where coffee is added as like a variation an Irish coffee. I think that's, Oh yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just did a quick Google and Jägermeister is in fact German. So <laughs> we weren't just being massively stereotypical. Um, okay. Next question. I'm actually really excited to ask you this one, even though I'm putting you on the spot cause I feel like you'll have a good answer. If you could have anyone make you a drink in the whole world, living or dead, doesn't matter who would it be? All right. So my first answer is going to be this I forget his name, but this dude you were talking about in the beginning of the podcast that's, mm-hmm. like, made the espresso martini and the bramble yes. and, like, you know, like, gone around all these bars in London. Like, he seems like he was a pretty cool guy. Yes. I would like for him to make me a cocktail. I think that would be pretty nice. Yeah. Dick Dick Bradzel. Dick Bradzel. Make yeah. me a cocktail, please. I wonder. Let, let's is see. Is he still living? Yeah, let's see. Do is we know? He still, <laughs> is he still kicking it? I'm just going to do a, a cheeky Google. Oh, no. He's dead. <laughs> Damn it. He died in 2016. That's sad. Oh, we, we could have had a moment. Actually, he was 56 when he died. That's actually really devastating. Oh, actually. Um, yeah. He died of brain cancer. That's really sad. But yeah, no, he um, was a talented, talented guy. Yeah. Um, I would say him first, just yeah. based on this. And um, to be honest, like, otherwise, like, I just, I just want someone that's good at what they do. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't want someone that's just, like, sexy to make me a cocktail and have it be shit. Yeah. Like, I just want it to be someone who's, who's good at it. And, like, to be honest, I think the best cocktails that I've had in London have been from the London Cocktail Trading Company. Yeah. And the bartenders there also tend to be, like, really funny and interesting. It's all about the bartenders. And I gave one my number once. I love it. Yeah, we, we, uh, we had a bit of back and forth, but we never had a date. Was it, was it when, <laughs> I'm going to stick my foot in it, but was it when you and I were together where I put my number on a, no, oh my God, this, it, this is in college. I went for brunch with a friend. We did a boozy brunch in Chicago and I liked the waiter and put my number on the, because obviously in America, like. You actually have yeah, to give them yeah, the yeah, receipt yeah. to like show the tip. It's not like here where you just tap and you never actually like sign anything. Put my number on it. Never heard from that guy. That I've totally... had a few successes from this. To be honest, like this is a pattern of mine that I do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've had like two dates from it. That's amazing. It's pretty good. Proud of you. I, I would yeah. say I've, I, I've done it. Like I'd say it's a pattern. Like maybe I don't know ten times. That's a lot. Yeah. But two dates out of that is like decent. Yeah, I no, it is. I, I had absolutely, I mean, to be fair, I was like 21 years old. Who knows how old this guy was? He was probably like 25. Um, and yeah, I can't even remember what he looked like, but obviously after a boozy brunch, you, it seems like the best idea in the world to just shoot your shot. And that's I mean, what I go did. for it. Like, yeah. like, I feel like this is one thing, like not to bring it back to the shit situation that we're all living in right now, yeah. but it's like, just fucking go for it. I like know. you realize you're like, what's, why not? Well, right? this is the thing. Like I got a notification, you know how you get those like Apple news notifications on your phone. I got one yesterday that was like, um, 
studies have shown that due to the pandemic, the gym is the new nightclub for dating in terms of like meeting people. And I literally wanted to throw my phone across the room and I was like, thank fuck. And this is not me trying to be like, oh my God, I have a boyfriend. I was like, (laughs) thank fuck I'm not single because if I felt the, if I was single and felt the need to meet people at the gym, I would literally take a long walk off of a short pier. Like, yeah, it's, it's a hard life we're all living right now. It is so (laughs) to anyone who's single and like feeling down about it, listening to this, it is, I can assure you, it is so much better to be single than it is to try meeting someone at the gym. Like, please do not feel like you need to meet someone at the gym. Like I just like, honestly, like me and my boyfriend met on Tinder and we later realized that the first time we messaged, we were both sitting on the toilet. Like that, the, the least glamorous, like meet cute in the history of the world, but I'm still so proud that it wasn't at the gym. <laughs> like, also, didn't you guys have like your second date at like 12 pubs? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> but no, I just like, I, I don't know why something makes me so like viscerally angry about the notion of meeting. So it's not okay. Like if, like if you meet someone at the gym and like, fair enough, like, but it's the like feeling like, cause I am like, Okay, first of all, I don't go to the gym, period. I run and I do, like, home weights workouts. I've never had a gym membership in my life. Like, I'm just not a gym person whatsoever. But if I was, I would not be the girl who's, like, wearing the leggings that make my ass look good and putting on makeup to go to the gym and being all self-conscious about how I look. Like, I'd be going, looking like shit, you know, like, sweating like crazy, like, getting annoyed with people who are using the machine I want to use. I would not be going there, like, trying to impress men. Yeah. I mean, I can't really imagine doing that either. No, but there yeah. are people, but I just, like, I hate the thought that this pandemic is making people feel like they need to do that. Like, it's just, like, it's horrible. Yeah, and even, like, when you think about how they have those, like, spinning classes where they pretend that it's a nightclub. Oh, they I They put know. up, like, a disco ball. Like, but spinning's so boring. I'm like... I know. I would rather, like, you know, like, cycle outside or, like, run. Like, I run as well. Literally anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't mean to shit on people who go to the gym, but it's just that what what uh, what makes me angry is people, like, because for me, like, exercise is, it's a way of blowing off steam. It's a release. Like, it's not, you don't need to, like, everything else about our lives in this pandemic is so anxiety-inducing. Your, your time for exercise should be that. It should be a release. Like, it should be an escape from the rest of this. You should not feel anxious because you're, like... I need to go meet someone. That's so like, true. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. God. Anyway, that was a huge side tangent. <laughs> but if you do meet someone at the gym, take them for an espresso martini. Yeah. Make sure you get a drink after that. Yeah. You probably both need it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for joining this week. It's been a very long time coming. Getting Seriously. on the podcast. We've been talking about it for ages. Um, and yeah, we'll have to have you come back on and talk about wine because I feel like yeah, no, we should have definitely a lot do of that. Knowledge sharing, but are there any parting words you'd like to leave everyone with um, about the espresso martini or otherwise? I would just say, wake the fuck up and um, <laughs> what was it? Wake the fuck up and <laughs> oh, wake me up and, and fuck, fuck me, me up. up. Yeah, get up, wake up and fuck yourself up. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're gonna leave it at that. Thanks, Catherine. Bye. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. That wraps us up for this week's episode of Gin and Barrett. And thank you so much to Catherine for finally coming on the show. Had so much fun chatting to her about espresso martinis and some of our favorite memories together. As I said earlier, she has moved back to the U.S., so it was just great finally having her on the show. 
Again, thanks for listening. Lots of really, really exciting guests coming up. Really fun things have been happening with the podcast. So I hope you guys are enjoying being along for the ride. The best thing that you could possibly do if you are enjoying the show is to please like, rate, and subscribe and tell all of your friends, anyone who's interested in drinks. Um, Also, I always say this, but seriously, if you'd like to come on the show particularly, and this is not any sort of slate to any of my bartender or drink making um, friends who have come on the show because obviously you guys are what makes the show what it is but I'm I'm really interested in in getting some people outside of the actual industry um, to come on and talk about drinks again as always doesn't have to be alcoholic it can be literally anything that is remotely meaningful to you but the idea of the whole show is how you know, drinks shape us as human beings and not all human beings work in the hospitality industry, including yours truly. So seriously, if you, especially like, I don't know, comedians, anyone, like anyone who is, um, likes to chat and drink, um, and again, doesn't have to be alcoholic. Um, please, please send your friends or send yourselves my way. Um, would love to have you on the show. So, that pretty much wraps us up. You know where to find me, Gin and Barrett Show at gmail.com, Gin and Barrett Show.com, and on Instagram at Gin and Barrett Show. And I will catch you guys next week. <laughs>